This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to try to say it nice and fast to get it over with, and then it just sort of uh, came out like I was some weird auto-tuned robot. I like that. How are you? How are you? Uh, I am, I'm, you know. um... (laughs) I don't know. That's why I ask. (laughs) I am doing better this week. I'm happy because I remembered ahead of time that you're going to ask me this question because honestly, I forget far too many weeks. And um, you know, one of the late one of the weights that has been on my shoulders and many people's shoulders, both in this country and other countries, has been lifted. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We had a successful inauguration yeah. of a new president. We don't have a toddler as president anymore. We no longer have a toddler president. Yes, it is. I I have been obsessed with the extreme weirdness. Uh, Obviously, there are many things uh, in Trump's era that were uh, horrific, uh, and we will be discussing (laughs) the legacy of some of those in this episode. Uh, But there's also just that weird hand in hand of truly awful, dangerous leader who hurt and caused great harm, but also just sort of mind-bogglingly weird and one of the ones the last his last weirdness was every day for weeks releasing uh that weird little mantra that weird little poem as his uh, presidential schedule that he released oh, yeah. to the press of he will uh work from early in the morning until late at night he will have many phone calls and many meetings and it, I, I've joked on social media, it's like a six-year-old was asked, what does the president do? And then came up with a weird little poem, like the way those sentences are structured so simply and almost rhythmically. It's just this weird, uh, weirdly poetic and disturbing and sad all at the same time. The reason I go with this whole ramble, I had been obsessed with that, knowing that it's, it's a lie. He's not doing any work. He's not leading. And then it's just so... Uh, to use your your words, uh, a weight lifted to to know and to see that whatever else you might think of Joe Biden, he is actually working from very early in the morning till late at night. He's taking many meetings. He's having many phone calls. He's actively working. He's doing things. Yeah. You know, and at the bare minimum of political opinion, the uh, contrast between a leader who is doing at this point nothing about a deadly virus to someone who actively cares and has plans and knows how the government works is a huge relief. It is. It yeah. is. So I would say uh, there's some sun within the ongoing weight of, you know, other things. Yeah. There's a little, <laughs> there's a little break in the clouds, uh, just like there was during the inauguration while Lady Gaga was singing, which people took some <laughs> lovely photos of. Uh, if you haven't yet figured it out, this week's episode is going to be a little political. Sometimes we're like, let's talk about our hair. And sometimes let's talk about... <laughs> the true weight of politics and the world. In particular, uh, the obsession that kept coming back to my mind is just this idea of truth, the truth <laughs> of truth, but truth. We're going to obsess over truth. Uh, it obviously has been playing a more central role in politics as uh, a lot of media figures and a lot of uh, politicians have finally sort of coalesced around saying that the things that Trump has said are lies. 
not a different perspective, not mistruths, not fudging, not some imagination, not like, well, he's made a declaration, and, and let's give him a chance to prove it, but coalescing around calling the idea that the election was stolen from him, the big lie, mm-hmm. uh, often seeing uh, people type it in all caps. So I was already interested in discussing truth, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then that really coalesced into, like, yes, this is the the issue of the day uh, from a certain point of view. Uh, but I wanted to also just start by talking a little bit about our own thoughts about the idea of truth and our own life experiences and perspectives on it. So I'm going to start by reading you the Merriam-Webster Dictionary definition of truth, <laughs> and we can go from there. Uh, Merriam-Webster says, uh, you know how they have several different interpretations, mm-hmm. but the main uh, truth, the noun. Uh, one, the body of real things, events, and facts. Two, the state of being the case. <laughs> okay. uh, three, uh a transcendent fundamental or spiritual reality, and three, be a judgment, proposition, or idea that is true or accepted as true. So which of those mm. aspects, uh, which of those uh, definitions of truth are the most powerful to you? As I read through them, which are the ones where you're like, yes, of course, that's how I think of truth. Yeah, I would say a combination of them. Um, I'm going to admit I don't remember which one was one versus two. That's fine. I have them written down and I can say them again if you'd like. (laughs) Could you read numbers one and two, please? Number one, the body of real things, events, and facts. Mm -hmm. Two, the state of being the case. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, different aspects, honestly, of, of all the definitions kind of stick with me. Number one, certainly. Also number four. Uh, B, uh, 3, 3B. Or, I, I yes, yeah, the so, last thing you read. Uh, yes, the last thing I read, 3B, <laughs> is a judgment, proposition, or idea that is true or accepted as true. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, I just kind of thinking uh, both right now, current climate, but also long-term, uh, those are maybe the ones that jump out at me. Yeah. But all of them, uh, to be excellent. totally honest. Why, why, does, uh, why does the last one jump out to you that the idea of um that truth is it just that that truth can take many forms it it lists a judgment a proposition an idea that is true or accepted as true it's honestly it's the accepted as true it's uh so i talk a lot about nuance and talk a lot about historical perspective and i just i i find it so fascinating what I am not a scientist, but I'll pretend for a second, you know, kind of thinking about like scientific information of this is what we think is true right now. But then somebody will make some, we'll do some science, um, some experiments, put out some hypotheses, you know, do their tests. And then science can say like, oh, now we have a new understanding of what is true. Yeah. You know, like the sun does not rotate around the earth. Uh, to use a very old, <laughs> well disproven theory, but um, but I I just I was curious how that would be in- included in there, which I know is not entirely what we're talking about today, but just kind of the idea of um, truth from of w- what you believe to be true at the time, based on the knowledge that you have. Right, right. I, I think it's interesting to me because there's there are fundamental truths that uh, can be proven quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Like gravity can be proven quickly, and it is a fundamental physical truth, mm-hmm. right? 
uh, more complex fundamental physical truths can be proven, but they are more complex and you need an expert to walk you through them and you need to believe and, and trust the expertise of the expert. Or mm -hmm. in, like you're saying with science, it evolves. This is are the closest to truth that we have in our current understanding and we will continue to build towards that. But I think this idea of just sort of culturally of uh, ideas that are true or accepted as true, like we also need agreement on those when yeah. we think of how our culture works. Like, like uh, we want to obey science and facts, hard truth that can be proven. But then uh, that's like partially what we're doing as a culture is deciding our cultural truth. Like, like the phrase, we hold these truths to mm -hmm. be self-evident. Like those things matter too, that we are in unison on the agreed upon truth that human life has value mm -hmm. and we should do everything we can to protect it, you know, mm -hmm. and and some of these kind of fundal, fundamental cultural truths feel just as challenged right now as truths that are like literal scientific facts that can be tested. Absolutely. Absolutely. It feels like um, this idea of like, well, I think this is true. Somehow now some people have decided that that is a way that we can get to uh, truth or facts, which is um which is perspective <laughs> not truth in fact yes yeah exactly and i think that's uh I, i've got uh, kind of a, a an analogy a, a theory a perspective on that that i'll run by you later to try to sort through that because i think that's part of the vulnerability that has happened even with kellyanne conway saying alternative facts and us kind of scoffing and laughing at that but the uh the cultural battle and the political battle Mm -hmm. I think ways are, uh, get centered on, well, what is a fact and what is spin? Yeah. And needing to find a way in our culture to sort through them and go, it's fine if you have a spin on this truth, but the truth is the truth, period. Um, so I, I think that's fascinating that you gravitated toward that. But I want to go a little bit into your own sort of personal life and examine a little bit how we as individuals develop a relationship with concepts of truth. Mm. Um, so do you remember any time early in life where you were upset or annoyed because you thought the truth was being disrespected? Oh, ooh. Um, gosh, that's a really good question. And I'm sure I do, but I'm not having... <laughs> Any good ones yeah. jump to mind? Let, well, I let, let me share one. Yeah, and then I always want to ask first instead of going. Let me ask a question, answer it. <laughs> like, but I understand I'm, I'm coming at you with a, a big uh, question. When I was sorting through, like, how did I develop my relationship to truth? Uh, I originally had this question framed as, "What was something that like? What was the first time you could remember like being?" that you were really sure something was true. Mm -hmm. And then when I was thinking in my own brain, it's like, I, I don't. I, I I came to this realization like, oh, the first time I really thought about truth is when I thought that somebody else wasn't following it. Yeah. Which is sort of a fascinating discovery Interesting. <laughs> for the condition that we're in now. And when I think about it, I think it was times when I was like really young and would have a, I'm talking like four or five and have a disagreement with my brother and then I maybe got a little bit older and was at school and I would get in trouble with a parental figure about like a kind of like 
who started it or what's going on in here mm-hmm. and feel like I don't want to cast my brother is that he was <laughs> duplicitous. I think it's a normal uh, kid thing to feel like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't start it. You know, the parent didn't see the whole ramific, the whole sequence of events. They just want the noise to stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I don't even have like a, this one specific memory, but I think that's my first memory of that kind of that like a hot flush of like anger or injustice Mm. that there is something you knew to be true or even like something like, um, uh, uh, you know, there were times when we were a kid and, and my mom was, uh, studying or something and cause she was in college and, you know, she would ask us to play quietly and then I would accidentally knock something over. And then, you know, there'd be the, Hey, I, I told you to be quiet. And like, I made it sound like she was (laughs) uh, really barking. But like, and then feeling like I was, you don't know my truth. I was, that was an accident. Mm -hmm. Or getting a little bit older when kids are bullies in schools, right? And are, uh, you know, throwing paper at you or whatever. And the teacher doesn't see it. Mm. And the teacher doesn't care about your truth. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's the, the those kind of young moments where you feel like, the truth of what happened is extremely necessary in order to uh, uh, have the right impact on your life. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that the truth is a slippery thing <laughs> that not everybody can see, value, possess. Mm-hmm. I think that's for me like my fundamental starting points of why does the truth matter mm-hmm. is those personal moments where it wasn't a given. Yeah. Where it was something that could be obscured or under-examined, or, you know, pushed under the carpet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So does that make uh, make any sense? Do you uh, have any thoughts about your first encounters <laughs> with truth? I mean, I, cer- I, I, I certainly had ones with, like, being a, a kid, and whether at school or with friends of, like you were saying, of, you know, who started something or what was the situation and what did the adult see versus what did the kids see and how was it reported? Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I will say I, I am not proud of this, but as a young child, you lied I, constantly. I was on both sides of it. Like I know times <laughs> that I, um, I still feel guilty about one time when I was five, not telling the complete truth. <gasps> Uh, to a teacher. You told a half-truth told like a half Obi-Wan truth. Kenobi. I know. I mean, I'm sure there are many other times that you did it. But, you know, it's a thing that kids go through. I think it's part of that pushing boundaries of what are the truths? What will I get in trouble for? What shouldn't I have done? What do I not think is important here? I mean, because mm. I think there's that also, especially with, um, I would say with kids, but I think with adults too, of like, what do you leave out because you don't think it's important, but it actually is from another perspective yeah um and so yeah so i mean certainly plenty plenty of those um this will this will not come as a surprise to you because you are are married to me and have lived with me for many years those those are true things those are true things (laughs) i used to get uh have that feeling of outrage when people would put trash like they're used you know i don't know um food bag or something yeah. in the recycling bin <laughs> uh and 
It, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Because that was, I mean, that it's a little bit different thing. You're just talking, talking about the outrage because that was what came to my head when you first talked about the like outrage. But also to me, it was a truth of this is important because of that truth of needing to be able to recycle things to help the planet to like, I was fairly young. Um, and so had very like kind of the round circles version of how this works rather than a more nuanced perspective. And it was like, this is, this is wrong, but by doing this, you are hurting other people or the earth and kind of that outrage at the lie that it, somebody would imply by things, by their actions implying that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it speaks to having this kind of empathy that involves truth empathy that involves larger truth that you know it is easier for us to have empathy if we kind of can see the whole story right in front of us but it's harder for us to have empathy conceptually Mm -hmm. as humans and i think that's one of the big ideas behind the push that the various uh, waves of pushes that you and i have lived through in our lifetime of trying to be uh more aware of the uh first climate change and now i think the much better climate crisis Mm -hmm. (laughs) term uh but that is all predicated on truth, right? There's a reason that Al Gore's documentary was called An Inconvenient Truth. Yeah. Because you were holding that in your heart of this truth that it that this truly makes a difference. I understand that you don't see that this action right now impacts something, but that's not true mm-hmm. from your perspective at that time, right? Right. Yeah, and that is, and that is true, <laughs> that we need to uh, help the old environment. Um, what is, now that you are... Uh, older and can think about truth a little bit more uh choose to just go i'm gonna think about truth today uh what is a cold hard fact that is very important to you (laughs) wow um these are really good questions and i don't have really good answers (laughs) um wow yeah i know truth as a topic is harder than like what's your favorite candy bar (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite cold hard truth right because there's the thing of like i I want to have something weighty, but not too weighty and like fun because we're having a fun podcast, but also I don't want to be flippant about cold, hard truths. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe what is a what is a fundamental truth? Like it's not a belief. It's not something that you value. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It is something you value. Uh, but it, it's something that is you feel is true. Yeah. Well, I believe the truth that the earth is round (laughs) and that we are part of the solar system and that we, uh, you know, are on an orbit around the sun. And yeah, I would say that's one I hold pretty firmly. Yeah, I believe we landed on the moon. I believe it was not faked. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant instead of the Earth. Sorry. <laughs> no. Like, wait a second. Yeah, we've got it wrong the whole time. We're the moon. That's the Earth. <laughs> Who says truth can't be fun? Neil uh, Armstrong walked on the face of the Earth. He did. I mean, that's did. that's true. That's the truth. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I guess I know that like climate is important to you. Yeah. Um, and that is something that you bring up uh, a lot. Is it... When you think of valuing the idea of truth, what do you feel like you're defending? Oh, goodness. I mean, it's a common, it depends on what what the truth is. It could be something like, uh, certainly with the climate crisis, um, 
the fact that we need to be doing like we all need to be working on this all the time. I know there's a lot of things we all need to be working on all the time uh, and that's not possible. But that's my feeling is that this is one of the things we all need to be working on all the time. Yeah. Um, And there. So there is that feeling of pushing back against um, time because time is a factor pushing back against all of the little actions as well as the really big actions that make a big impact. Um, we, to my knowledge, cannot go back in time and change things that we should have done. (laughs) So we need to do what we can with what we've got. Um, and a big one for me is people like it, it honestly boggles my mind that people still try to fight back that it isn't real and that it isn't, you know, man-made and, uh, you know, caused by human actions and or like all sometimes of these the straight up lie that like scientists are split on that and like <laughs> right. that's like right science like you said science is always evolving in our in our understanding can only be so complete uh, right uh, of certain things or certain big things like climate climate crisis but that is not a true statement that scientists are kind of split the vast majority of scientists right right like if you can find a person with a degree who agrees with you does not mean people in that profession are split like right. look at overall you know um scholarly researched information um you know peer peer reviewed journals all of that you yeah just finding one person with the title who's like yeah, yeah i agree um yeah so that's that's one that i certainly get passionate about yeah and i think that's a very good one to be passionate about i think uh, one that i am very passionate about that i have uh, probably gone on about this podcast before but it's one that's very important to me is just the um that the truth that opinions aren't facts <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we will uh, we'll continue to talk about that but <laughs> I, I think that we are at this place in our culture where we are having um a really difficult time truly discerning and separating fact from opinion. There are obvious political ramifications from it, uh, uh, political ramifications and life and death ramifications, right? The science that we have available is that masks save lives. And so for Trump and all of his enablers to stand up there and go, eh, not really, or maybe, who knows, like there there isn't truth to that that's mm-hmm. not it's not an opinion a, a valid opinion that masks don't work it's it's a scientific fact to the best of our ability that masks help save lives right correct so that is a time where like that can't be an opinion based thing it has to be a science based fact based truth based things because lives absolutely depend on it um And then I know for some people this might be a big jump of tracks, but it's a a thing, a world that I spend a lot of time in is the discussion of pop culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we are trained in general in our culture to speak authoritatively. Uh, And certainly if you're writing a review or writing a paper, it is a stronger thing to say, I just saw uh, this film. I just saw, you know, Batman v Superman. And it is the best film ever made, or it is the worst film ever made. And then you go through in a scholarly way and, and you make your argument and you support it well or you don't. And and there's this sort of agreement that everybody knows that that isn't a fact. Everybody knows that art is subjective. Uh, but the everybody knows that art is subjective thing disappears 
and people talk constantly about what is the best, what is good and bad, and it is stated straight out like a fact. And even though a lot of people, when you're pushed, will go like, come on, don't get uptight. Everybody knows we mean subjective. I don't actually think that a ton of us feel subjective. And I think this this does a couple things to me. One, it just makes us less understanding of one another. Because the, for me, like uh, Chris Nolan is a great example. I, I appreciate uh, his films. But uh, they don't always work for me because I feel, find them a little bit emotionally cold. So I can and have said that to friends who love Chris Nolan. And they're like, weird, I don't perceive it at all that way. And then we have a fun discussion. And then I learn more about my friend. Mm-hmm. And then I maybe still don't love the films personally. But I learn to appreciate maybe some things that I didn't see about them. Mm-hmm. And we have the conversation. So by stating it is an opinion, which it is, I have opened a door. Now, if I just said to my friend, Chris Nolan's... Uh, movies are terrible. He's a robot. And that's the truth. I slam the door shut on any possibility of conversation and understanding. Mm-hmm. So there's the just sort of like, uh, in order to have a better society, we need to be, I think, more appreciative of the fact that we can celebrate what's different and we can even maybe learn things about one another, uh, about what's different, and if, and have that be an interesting and joyful thing. Yeah. Instead of a combative, my opinion is correct. And that's just a sort of betterment of our society thing that I have a strong opinion about. But then on the more, this is truly dangerous side. If we are developing in culture, which I truly think we are, many people who feel their opinion is fact. If your opinion that Thor Dark World is the worst MCU movie and that opinion is a fact, then why can't facts be an opinion? then why can't you know that Thor Dark World sucks and, of course, masks aren't needed? Mm-hmm. It, once you start to blur those lines, it is a slippery slope. And I think things as trivial as the best MCU movie and as deadly as we need masks are actually interconnected in the way that we speak and the way that we think as a culture. Yeah, I think that's a great example. Thank you for letting me <laughs> uh, lose my mind. <laughs> a little bit about that. No, I think it's a really, really good point. And I, uh, obviously, you and I have talked about this before, but I think it it is a it is really interesting to see where it connects between such different examples that people would think, you know, like whatever is pop culture, and it, but not whatever because it does change how we think and how we feel about our opinions. Yeah, and how we feel about how our opinions interact with the opinions of other people. And pretty soon, like you just said, that line is blurred. So I think it's a really good um, thing to be aware of and to try to be combating as much as possible. Yeah. Um, not in a combative way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be working against. And yeah. I slip sometimes and, and say things as a fact when I mean them as an opinion, but I really work hard. And once you get used to it, it isn't that much work to say, for me, this is the best, or I think this is the, the best, mm-hmm. uh, isn't that much work. And I think it goes a long way to build connection. I also just think it makes it diff- makes this big difference uh, to really separate out what is up for subjective discussion, what isn't. Like, even with art, when you get into, I didn't 
like uh, this particular Star Wars movie. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, but then it be if that discussion starts to become because women shouldn't star in Star Wars films, then it becomes this is not a silly debate about a film. Mm-hmm. This is a debate about what uh, truths we as a culture hold to be self-evident exactly. and that we can't compromise on. Right. You know, women are less than men and they shouldn't be in action movies is not something where I can go, well, you know, let's have a discussion. That's a... No, for me, that is a an untruth mm-hmm. <laughs> that we as a culture, you know, have decided on. Yeah. And I can't get behind that, you know, and, and I won't meet you halfway on that. Right. You know? Yeah. If you prefer lightsaber fights to be <laughs> staged in high places, great. Then that's subjective. And it doesn't. <laughs> but but women shouldn't be, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, that that subjectivity versus objectivity, um, being aware of that also helps us separate out what are we truly talking about when we talk about pop culture, and mm-hmm. what can we, you know, meet halfway on, and what what can we not? Yeah. Uh, so along that general kind of line, you know, there are truths that you can scientifically prove. There are are culturally agreed upon truths about the way our culture should work and, and what we value. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that can be studied uh, and you can write papers on, but you can't. Uh, but what we've agreed on culturally is you can't use, you know, people, human behaviors, control groups <laughs> uh, <laughs> the same way, in an absolute way, the same way you can with science. So for social, you know, sciences, we have evidence. Mm-hmm. But, you know, up to a certain point, it's it's a truth that we're, we can be pretty sure on. Um, so it, it becomes true that's like uh, on an intuitive level, on a somewhat scientific level, or sometimes even, you know, true on just like a, I believe that is true. To me, that is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, is, is there anything that truly can't be proven that you intuitively or emotionally feel is true? Oh. Ooh. Um, and I can also do the same thing of sharing something <laughs> first if you want, because I, I, again, I really don't want to be like Mister. Let me ask a question so I can answer it, but I also want to give you time to breathe. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I say go ahead because I feel like you have an answer that you'd like to share, and it'll also give me a time to think. Because I wrote these questions and thought of them ahead of time. That's the only <laughs> reason. Otherwise, I'd be like, ooh, ah, ooh, eh, ooh. Uh, no, I think for me, something that can never be truly proven, it, it, there are a great many studies and essays, but like the nature of comedy. Like I feel it in my bones. It is, for me, spiritual almost of like, uh, I have studied it. I've talked about it. Uh, and by study it, don't, don't just mean like I've gone on a personal investigation. Like I have, you know, read essays and taken classes and taught classes. Um, that comedy flows from contrast. And it, it flows from these deep uh, realities. <laughs> See, I can't even get through it without these deep truths of the human condition that we uh, are are filled with these inherent contrasts that we are luminous, soulful beings. We are more than the sum of our parts, but we're also tied to these weird meat bodies that often fail us, that we have this deep, deep, deep desire to to know things and to have everything make sense. Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of our our world just, we can't know. It doesn't make sense. It's like humans are like, 
you know what's great? Uh, 90 degree angles and straight lines. And the world's like, okay, here's a tree. It makes no sense. It has <laughs> no respect for, you know, and I know there are parts of nature that do, but it, th- those just inherent contrasts are, are what form comedy and then everything out of that becomes very built up by by culture, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the whole Bernie sitting meme that has exploded. <laughs> the first level of contrast is just, it's in inauguration. Most people are wearing amazing fancy uh suits and dresses and everything yeah coats yeah it's a coat of palooza it's everything right and then bernie is just like here's my warm brown coat and my mittens and there's a there's just a fundamental contrast there it's a it it, it, uh, dovetails with who bernie has shown himself to be to the world of no nonsense not really there about the frills Mm -hmm. uh and so that that's just funny there but then you put it in all the meme of putting him in different places has all these different levels of layers of uh contrast and and all that so anyway i could of course go on and on about comedy but that's for me as an example of like i know it can't be true can't be like proven Mm -hmm. and i know other people have different takes on like the fundamental truth of comedy and i respect them but like to me in my soul it's it's true yeah i'm not going to deny anybody else's perspective Mm-hmm. But for me, it's true, you know? Yeah. That's a great example. Um, and I honestly can't think of one that I have that's that good. I mean, yeah, no, that's a that's fantastic. I think that's a really strong example. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah. How do you, let me ask you about this, because you are a, you are a person of many skills, many perspectives, many abilities. You are a very uh, logical and process-based person. Uh, you It comes up a lot in your job. Uh, when you do uh, uh, stage managing, you are valued because you put all the systems in place and you put out all the fires and make sure everything flows well. But you're also a very like uh, artistic person who needs movement, uh, who loves dance. Is there any truth in there in, in in the way that you process, the way that you're both a very organized person, but also a, a really artistic person? soulful person oh goodness um i i think it's the truth that people can't always be put in a box (laughs) (laughs) um and i just i mean i i can say that for my own i i believe that strongly um that despite all of the desires to put people in boxes in many different ways that it doesn't work I think it can be there can be versions of, you know, ways to better understand people and interact with people. And I'm not discounting all of that, but um, that people are not necessarily are very rarely one thing. Yeah. If I may use your buzzword for obsessed, (laughs) nuance is a truth to you. Nuance is a truth to me. It absolutely is. Um, Yeah. That That there is. That there is there is more often than not nuance. Yeah, that things are complex, even yeah. if they are they're uh, true. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're blunt and simple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would agree with that. Nice. Uh, so I wanted to get to this uh, analogy <laughs> that I was talking about because I, I was trying to work it through for myself. Uh, obviously, you know, things like truth, you know, maybe some philosophers have had some opinions about this, so I don't think I'm breaking any new ground, but I was trying to wrestle with how in my own mind to break down the political conversation in particular, because I think there is such a danger of 
uh, politicians manipulating people who want to think everything can be an opinion and, you know, having to fight for truth. How do we do, how do we separate truth from spin? Right. Mm -hmm. So here's my analogy of, uh, you know, there's a table in a room and people can uh, agree it's a table because that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, then they can argue that it is the most beautiful table or they can argue that it's the most ugliest table ever made. They can find supporting uh, arguments. They can try to spin it. They can try to appeal to people's emotions to get them to agree about whether or not it's the, the best or the ugliest. But it is a table, right? Uh, people can't just look at the table and say, that's a shirt. That's the point at which you have to say, <laughs> no, we need to, to live in a, a, a world where we agree upon basic truths. Um, people can even have frustrating like semantic arguments that technically that table is a chair because you can sit on it which is a thing that happens with truth a lot from mm -hmm. my uh, little bit of taking philosophy classes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, people can't just say it's a shirt. People can't just say it, it's a dolphin or that the table isn't there. Mm -hmm. And I think th that's almost like the kind of a metric that I want to apply to what are politicians saying. Mm. Because, because politicians and all of us are always going to tell people the truth from the angle and the perspective that we want that that we want uh, to get out of people, that we want them to get on board with us, that it'll benefit me if everybody believes this table is ugly. Mm -hmm. But what we really slipped, and I think that's kind of the quote-unquote politics as usual yeah, that has or has not happened in America, depending on your point of view, <laughs> but what has explicitly happened in the Trump era and is still happening is the argument that, no, no, I mean... I, I get I told my voters that the table is a dolphin and now many of my voters believe that the table is a dolphin. So <laughs> I do have a need to question. It could be a dolphin. And it's like it's a table. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying not, not to dolphin. swear on the podcast anymore. <laughs> and I just almost did. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's where we're at. That's like, you know, it's a yeah. table. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I hear I hear you. I see the table and I agree that looking at the table and being told that the correct response is to prove that it's not a dolphin is, um, for one thing, not helpful. And for another thing, there's no reason to believe it's a dolphin other than somebody said it was a dolphin and now they're saying prove it's not a dolphin. Um, that doesn't, it's a table. <laughs> yes. Uh, so from here, I wanted to <laughs> uh, segue into some direct political talk. Excellent. So uh, the table, we've covered the table, but we can come back to the table if, mm -hmm. we, if we need to. We can so, stand on the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, to take it from the realm of analogy to the realm of truth, uh, Trump and his enablers just lied that there was large-scale election fraud. They lied that the election was stolen in any way. They had multiple opportunities uh, to prove it, and they produced no evidence in over 60 court cases. Uh, and media and politicians finally coalesced, uh, not all of them, but some media and some politicians finally coalesced into referring to this as the big lie. Mm -hmm. What's the power of finally labeling that as a lie uh, of just explicitly? It's not spin. It's not an opinion. It's not a different perspective. It's, you know, it's not looking at a table and going, oh, but if we look at it that way, it's not a great table. It's just a lie. It's just saying the table is a, a shirt. Uh, what What is the importance of media and politicians calling a lie a lie? 
In my opinion, that is huge, is absolutely huge for a few reasons. I mean, we're all told, I, I would assume all most of us, as far as I know, are taught since we're children uh, that we're not supposed to lie. And so there's that like kind of personal accountability level of it. But there's also that cultural agreement that um, we have seen that our that our society is not supposed to have a lie to ourselves. Like the people who are in charge, the government um, is not supposed to be lying to the people. That's what happens in dictatorships. Yeah. And so there's both, I think, a personal weight to it and also a cultural significance that whether you think about it or not, you know, you think about the big lie as so many different autocratic regimes in recent or further ago history and even if you don't know that i i think i'm and i might be wrong because i i know i often get uh weighed down by kind of the historical uh baggage as well but i feel like it is uh, to call something the big lie it has a weightiness to it right it has a black versus white as in no nuance and this is the time i'll stick with no nuance <laughs> right it has a right versus wrong um and there's also that, that also that personal level of it. So I feel like it is absolutely huge yeah. to have to both have had some people say it, but then to have so many be um, agreeing that that is the way that this should be talked about. Yeah, and, and I think it. I think a lot of the damage was it took a long time mm-hmm. because I think it is so ingrained to to accept that politicians are in a room fighting over a table and one side wants to make you think it's the best and one side wants to make you think it's the worst and i think that media was frightened for lots of different reasons of just saying this side is dealing with a table and the other is just lying Mm -hmm. and and i think if that had happened sooner it would have helped stop some of the the um well let's let's give all these lies the benefit of the doubt and go like but maybe may and and it is so taking advantage i think of wanting to have nuance Mm -hmm. and wanting to have uh give people the benefit of the doubt which are all good things and that's what's so abusive about it is to take this, I think, good leaning of culture to go like, well, maybe let's stop and think and let's try to see it from another perspective. Or maybe there's information that somebody has that we don't. And I think it, we've course corrected to that too much. And we need to be able to just say, hey, when it, it's a lie, the mm-hmm. election was not stolen. Mm-hmm. There isn't a Michigan Man of the Year award. <laughs> you, you did not sign that bill into law. Barack Obama did. Th- those are facts. And I think... There is such a hunger for we need to all be living in the same reality. Yeah. How do you do you have any thoughts or feelings about how we as a society can or can get closer to you can have different opinions on the truth, mm-hmm. but we have to be dealing in the truth. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I both do and I don't. And I'm glad that people who think more about it. Uh, are working on it. <laughs> I'm glad it's not up to me. Let me put it that way. Okay. But um, I mean, I I do think that identifying the lies as a lie 
is the first necessary step. Because without that, you're never going to get past the talking in circles. So you have to say this is a lie. So I, I feel like that is a, a great step and a really good step. Um, and I think what you were saying earlier is another really good thing for all of us to try to do is to really be aware of when are we talking about opinions? When are we talking about facts? When are we talking about our understanding of something? And the reality is life is big and complicated and we don't all have a perfect and complete understanding of everything we talk about. So kind of like, this is my understanding of this, but understand that maybe we don't all have all the information. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that there should be just a more of a cultural agreement to shut off the oxygen to lies. If that is from fact checkers, if that is from, uh, you know, social media accounts, if that's from your personal choice as a friend of, I'll, I'll listen to another perspective. I'll listen to your opinion. And, you know, mm -hmm. if it's a unknowable thing or a thing you feel in your soul, okay, well, I'll be respectful of that. But if it is a verifiable in the world fact and you won't deal with that, it does seem like just cutting off the oxygen to it and having it be a, a, a value that we build up in our society again, that, or maybe for the first time, uh, <laughs> that you you can't you're not going to be able to function in society if you try to function on lies mm -hmm. and i feel like we're at this real real uh, specific tipping point with that yeah um like for example on, on that exact line uh many gop politicians are currently still lying to their base still using these trumpian tactics uh, uh a specific example is that there are a bunch of gop politicians with law degrees who are saying that being banned from Twitter is a First Amendment violation. Like, they have law degrees. Mm -hmm. So they know it's a lie. Mm -hmm. And they are saying that lie to incite anger and support in their followers. Yeah. Um, how, how do you think we can stop that kind of manipulation? Like, I feel like we're at this turning point where... where it's such a relief that Trump himself is out of office. Mm -hmm. But now a new wave of politicians have seen the utter value of just lying. Yeah. And that is what I'm most concerned about is how do we, how do we stop that? Yeah. You know, uh, I, 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 the way I phrased it, I was like, you have these answers. I don't know why you've been holding out on them. Just give them to us and we'll all be fine. You know, I'm sorry. I was just sitting here being lazy and I could have done something about all this. I know, I know. You've been um, busy at work and watching Deep Space Nine. So, yeah. You know, I had some knitting to do. Uh, goodness. I mean, I, I think I, I, I wish I had the answer is my honest answer. Yeah. Um, I think as much as we can get find find um find the way to discern between spin versus lie uh because i think people except in you know whether personal opinion political spin not saying those are the same thing but people accept that and expect a certain amount of that but having there be a line in the sand that we cut off the oxygen, as you said, I think is key that there is a difference between spin and lie and having whatever 
ways we can to not not spread the lies. You can't stop somebody, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm probably <laughs> no legal advice here, probably saying some of the wrong things legally, but um, you know, you you can't stop somebody from saying something, but you can hold them accountable and other like media organizations can choose to use their fact checker checkers, which they should have if they're going to be a reputable news organization yeah. and not repeat those lies. Um, and I feel like that is maybe a good, like we need to hold more places and organizations accountable to be doing some of that fact checking because we can't all check every single statement that every single person is saying. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to, a couple of things that I I would love is to see is, is debates kick off again. That that should be a that that lie should not be allowed in, in a debate. Like there's some that are going to get passed because it's that 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 uh, there is that nuance of Ooh, is that a perspective? Is that uh, is that a little misstatement or whatever? But when they know that this is a standard lie that this person has been saying on the campaign trail. It should be uh, the debate should be stopped and and just say that's not true. I, I completely you know agree. Yeah. and and even if I I don't I think truth is so important I I don't want the debates to become more sport like but if you need to pause <laughs> and say <laughs> we're gonna fact check that do it put make truth a part of the battle yeah you know yeah and and make it really really important that. Uh, that truth is valued. I mean, obviously people are going to misspeak and any system can be abused. And I, you know, I can almost, I'm almost starting to like, well, but I'm going to counterpoint myself on this. You know what I, mean? uh, <laughs> I was doing the same. Yeah. I think one just thing that is kind of driving me up the wall about this particular point is this keeps coming up that the GOP politicians are, are, and, uh, and also just like QAnon people, not just like, uh, people who are spreading, absolute misinformation but this specific issue of the first amendment is not dense it is not hard to understand it is about the government it is not about a private business mm-hmm. um so they know that yes that it, there is no legal case you know for twitter being mean to them uh it's not a first amendment issue people dunk on the politicians for being dumb mm. and they're not dumb they're lying and that's a little thing that i would like to see is Mm-hmm. It is for if you're going to take the time, I you know I, my my preference is that they you know uh, uh, would lose followers just by the natural course of things and not be on it. I, I wrestle with whether or not it is it's even worth elevating the lie because like you have to expose it, but also certainly if you're just like quote tweeting them and adding to their numbers, you're actually elevating it. Right. So there is also there's that that fine line between. We can't let this lie go unchallenged, but we don't want to spend a bunch of time elevating this lie. But if you're going to screenshot it and debunk it in order to, you know, try to fight back against it. Yeah. Please, let's dunk on the fact that they're lying because they're not stupid. Mm -hmm. They know exactly what they're doing. Maybe one or two. But for the most part, they found a valuable lie. Yeah. And they're just going to run with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think uh, I think that is an important way to address it um I, I think the other thing is like once you get caught up in constantly having to fight about you know is this a table or this is a shirt you lose valuable time to actually have nuanced discussion about the table absolutely sorry <laughs> <laughs> because i do think it's a nuanced discussion of like 
it is troubling that we have uh, a couple of uh, social media platforms that are people's voices in that if you lose access to them, you, you, you lose access to our society online. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, that is, I don't think that by itself is great, Mm -hmm. but we don't have room for that nuanced conversation when the president of the United States is inciting violence with lies. It just has to stop right now. And we don't have time to have the more nuanced or focused to have the more nuanced discussion because there's this four alarm fire. Yes. Yes. And I feel like they tried for many years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or at least for a little while. Yeah. I mean, they should have been much harder on him much sooner, I think. Sorry. (laughs) No, I I know you don't. That's why I backed it up a little bit that maybe they didn't try as hard as they could have. But it's a complicated situation. Yeah. Um, And uh, times that we have not been in in our lifetimes um and we really want to make sure we're aware of it so we don't have to go through it again yeah absolutely um so uh other thing that we've talked around but i wanted to directly address is that the reality is that that humans do respond to emotions and storytelling Mm -hmm. like we all uh, i think um, many of us value truth and value Research and when we get into you know even you know more dense and complicated topics about healthcare, universal basic income, like there's a lot of truth to be had in that. Like there are studies or like, hey, look at how this country has not, this other country hasn't fallen apart. Mm-hmm. You know, so there there is truth to go to. There's evidence to be discussed. Uh, but even with that, and even if you believe in that, it is emotions and storytelling that moves humans to make different choices. So mm-hmm. how do you feel about that balance? How can we preserve uh, truth while also being aware that we do need to tell stories, which is kind of inherently spin. We, yeah. we use spin is a, is a absolutely negative word for the most part, I would yeah. say. I, I think we mostly consider spin as a negative word. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if like, if I have a policy that I believe in based on truth mm-hmm. and that I feel passionately about and I want you to agree with me that it's a good idea to try, the best way for me to communicate that is telling a story mm-hmm. and making you feel it, Right, which is spin, which is pointing at a table and going, that table is actually great for us. Let me make you feel how beautiful that table is. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about that? On one side, it's a it's a nice, you know, beautiful thing to say is like storytelling was what truly moves humans. On the other side is nothing happens without spin. <laughs> well, I think they're kind of two sides of a, if not the same coin, a very similar coin. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, I mean, it is our reality. I mean, we are, we are humans and the vast majority of humans are are greatly affected by narrative and stories and things that deal with their emotions. And I think there is both the, um, if it really goes to your emotions and you get, you know, really mad or really excited, you know, then maybe is the time, like many fact-checking websites say, like, that's a good time to pause and consider if what you're looking at is a truth or not, is a fact. But I think if you have some, a, a narrative that is, an example of a fact, I feel like that can be really effective without necessarily being spin. Um, and I have a specific example that came into my okay. mind when you're talking about this. Um, so with uh, 
coronavirus procedures in different countries. There was a tweet thread that was going around a few weeks ago that I'm sure many people saw of somebody who lives in South Korea, but she had been in uh, New York, I believe, and was going back to South Korea. And so she did this whole thread about her experiences um, with coming into the United States and coming into South Korea. And it, you know, it was her experience. So it was one person's experience. Um, and in my opinion, she did a good job of couching some of the things of this is what I went through. Maybe it's because, um, you know, I was coming back from maybe it was like November or December. So as things, cases were spiking here. So she was like, I was brought to this location where I had to isolate overnight. Maybe that's because I was traveling from the U.S. I don't know that visitors from other countries went through the same procedures. But she had a real breakdown step by step of her narrative experience. But that also does show what the testing system was like, at least for her, um, coming into the country of South Korea. Right. So I feel like that's a really, but it's far more powerful than saying, oh, if you go to South Korea, you have to, you know, you get tested here first in the airport and then you get tested here first. And then you have these types of vehicles that take you here for your isolation. And But to have the breakthrough of like, okay, I'm still waiting, you know, eight hours later in my isolation pod and next I'm going to go here. Um, certainly made it stick with me more than it would have otherwise. And I've, it made me tell other people about it. Yeah. And I feel like it does have that, that narrative um, storytelling that does grab the emotions, but still conveys facts. Yeah. I think, well, I think that's a great example of storytelling. And maybe, maybe what I'm getting at is, uh, or what you're making me reconsider in my strong opinions about <laughs> the <laughs> semantics about the word storytelling and spin is that maybe storytelling is it, it it's an it's a word that suggests authenticity. It, it suggests, let me share with you the experience that I or somebody I know truly had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that, you'll extrapolate, you know, a way to move forward or a, a thing that we should change or a thing that we should keep doing. Um, or all those when you're, te- when you're telling a story for an agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And even that word is like, anyway, uh, and then maybe spin is the word for when you're trying to make people only look at a part of the story or that right. you're being that, that you're, you're telling a narrative, but maybe it's got some half truths or some selected omissions and, and maybe it is valuable uh, that way. Cause you're, you're telling a really good, uh, example of a very moving and powerful story that is authentic. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like spin is maybe the like, and I'm not saying that this is, did not happen also, uh, but kind of, um, you know, like this fall, I know we both knew some people were like, I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere, but I caught COVID. And certainly many people have caught it from many different places so i'm not saying covid is contagious take it seriously stay home if you can wear a mask believe me i'm saying all those things but a lot of times then there was like oh well i mean i was hanging out with you know my whole neighborhood and none of us were wearing masks but i didn't go anywhere so like there i feel like that is an example of spin you're right right. in a bad way whereas there are other examples of is that just a lie if you said i (laughs) i was real careful Ex- I didn't do I anything. I was real careful. I only went to these three parties. Well, and I think most of the, and I think some of these are like, you know, like fairly well-known cases that because of exactly this, because they started by saying I went nowhere. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, but I, I mean, I went to that rave. Does that count? 
Yeah. So yeah, good point. Back to our topic. Those would be lying. And we're talking about truth. <laughs> yeah, I think so part those of those would not be examples of truth. Yeah, and maybe I should have just looked up spin uh, in Webster's Dictionary before I shot my mouth off, and maybe a fact checker would be pausing me. Uh, I think w- the heart of where this is coming from for me is I think uh, we what it, what I'm passionate about is we've developed an animus toward politics and towards uh, people uh, are always trying to spin everything, and then there's. And yes, there's a reason that we've become very, is a society kind of gur toward that because a lot of uh, politicians obviously have uh, done that in an insincere way. Mm -hmm. But what's important to me is if I were a politician, I would be coming at it as I have a belief that is extremely important to me. It It is something I believe. It is something that is based in truth. I'm not going to tell you half-truths or lies, but I am absolutely going to tell you every... I'm going to frame it as a story because, of course, I want you to agree with me. Mm-hmm. If if I'm a politician and I believe it will... I believe from truth that looking at that table, which is true, and I've analyzed the table, and I've had experts uh, you know, <laughs> back me on the table, and I got stats, and they're on my website, and you can read them, uh, and determine for yourself, but it's this table. If we if we all get on board with the agreement that it's the best table ever, it will be so good for us. Of course, I'm going to convince you. Of course, I want to convince you. That's what that's what politics is. Mm-hmm. Is I've got a vision for what would be best for us. In order for it to happen, I need to be elected. I need you to agree with me. I need you to be passionate about it. I need us to all be moving in the same direction. So it just really bugs me that that idea of um, that it is inherently bad for a politician to tell you a story to try to get you to agree with them Mm -hmm. is like, uh (laughs) uh-huh. That's what politics is. And it can be abused. But also, like, that's, that's how humans communicate. To yeah. one another, uh, there's almost every conversation or interact with interaction with one another. Um, you know, sometimes we're doing it in an unfair way or duplicitous ways, but just in the basics of our life, we're we're sharing our perspective, and when it's important to us, we want other people to agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you want, like you said before, the politicians to be able to get to have the conversation about the table. And not spend so much time debating whether or not it's a shirt that they never get to actually talk about their different opinions about the table. Right. And a lot of politics isn't about talking about a thing that exists like a table. It's that (laughs) a table will be coming in the future and you should be hopeful about it or you should be afraid of it. (laughs) And there is a lot of manipulation within storytelling. Mm -hmm. But story, I think this is the other thing I feel passionate about. And then I'll I'll let this go as somebody who who creates art and and who enjoys on pop culture podcasts analyzing it, it, it it's not a bad thing to try to get people to see things believe things feel things the way you do it's not inherently manipulative that's mm-hmm. what all art does mm-hmm. is it, it can be gross and awfully manipulative but uh, you know i've been reading and watching more and more of david lynch that i love and one of the reasons that he doesn't like talking about his films is like, I, I I feel this thing. I see this thing that I think existed in the universe already. And I tapped into it and I found it. And I don't have words for it. If I could just say it, I'd say it. Instead, mm-hmm. I made a film to try to capture this 
truth, this feeling, this emotion that I feel. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could feel it too. And maybe you could understand this thing that I can't put into words. That's not manipulation. That's art, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so from, I think I feel passionately that a lot of things that are beautiful and necessary in human about storytelling to try to get us to understand one another have been downgraded into just just spin just manipulation yeah and when they're at their best they're not yeah yeah i think i think spin implies uh to me again i didn't look up the definition (laughs) so i might be wrong but it implies intentional omission yes yes which to me is a different thing from storytelling and narrative and art I hear that that's the perspective <laughs> that you are trying to convince me of, and I, and I agree. <laughs> uh, my final truth question for you is, um, what is something that is true that gives you joy? Oh, that the sun comes up every day. <laughs> I mean, I know good. it's, I guess I should say, the actual truth is that the earth keeps rotating, so we get to see the sun every day. <laughs> Uh, just to be clear, and then the and then we have sunrises and we have sunsets, um, and some days we have clouds and some days we don't. And I just I honestly find uh, so much joy in that. Yes, two big thumbs up for the sky and everything that happens in it <laughs> from our perspective. <laughs> that is a great answer. Uh, do you have any noise to sum up your uh, obsession or interest with the truth? <laughs> that was not my. Uh, gosh, wow. Uh, hey, I think that's a pretty good one, actually. I'm going to stick with that one. I'll do it again, though. Gosh, wow. I was going to say, that's the one you should keep. Gosh, wow, because it, <laughs> it works for both when you've heard something true and when you've heard lies. Yeah. Damn lies. Uh, do you think you are obsessed with truth? And if so, where are you on the scale of uh, 1 to 10, with the 1 the lowest, 10 the highest? Ooh, I mean, gosh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think all of us right now are a little bit more obsessed with truth. Um, and by right now, I mean for the last four years, um, or at least thinking about it more than we did before, which I th- I honestly think is a good thing. It, it is a good thing to to think about what truth is and what it means. And I think it is good that a lot of different places responded with, like, you know, fact-checking and, and all of that. Um I mean, I don't want to say I'm not obsessed with truth because that just—I <laughs> <laughs> can take or leave. I feel like that's a spin. <laughs> um, I—I I mean, but I would say generally I'm kind of middle of the road. Like I don't yeah. think about truth. It spikes, right? Like it spikes. if it's a specific issue, you know, for a couple of days, you'll be a ten, right? Oh, but it's not like totally. on a, when when things are generally going okay and the world is is moving forward. It's not like you're sitting there contemplating truth all the time. Right, right, and there's so many. Things within there's so many truths to come to contemplate. Uh, so I would say maybe a six. Okay, like that's solid. good, solid middle of the road, but with occasional spikes. Yeah. Okay. Where would you put yourself? I think I'm at a, a, a nine spiking yeah. toward ten right now because you know uh, I, I'm thinking about truth from many different points of view. There is the political thing. There's there is the how do we because there are truths out there that are readily available that you know it's hard to communicate everything just like like for example the the real 
um, the false equivalence between the Capitol riot and uh, Black Lives Matter protests and the simple truths of like, you know, many people seem to believe because they've been fed lies that Minneapolis burned to the ground. And like when the truth is, yeah, there were isolated incidents. Many of them now, you know, uh, white nationalists have been arrested. Yep. That they they're the ones who did that. So, you know, so I think about those kind of like truths of like it's right it, it's there. It's mm-hmm. in black and white. It's on reputable multiple reputable news sources. There are the photos. Mm-hmm. But like but how do you get that out to the world in the right volume in the right way to end that false equivalence? Yeah. You know. Yes. So I think about that. And and obviously I I am very obsessed with the subjective versus objective and and how to in the hope that someday our discussion of things that are beautifully subjective, like art, can, can give us more joy rather than constantly gnashing our teeth because other people are telling us our feelings are wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that idea. Yeah. And, and I agree. A nine seems about right. Okay. (laughs) I think so too. Let's do some quick plugs. Uh, Where do you want to be found on social media these days? (laughs) You can find me um, sharing photos on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And we'll do these plugs, then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. It's at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out that Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephsgrimshot.com. I've got a show coming up on Valentine's Day. I am doing a comedy music uh, variety show with the Double Clicks. We did one on New Year's Eve, and it was a ton of fun, so we're doing another one on Valentine's Day. There is a ticket link to that right on the homepage of josephsgrimshot.com. And you can, of course, support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephsgrimshaw. All right. Final questions. Yeah. You and I are not done, but we have been doing our rewatch of Deep Space Nine, or a, uh, a watch for you, mm-hmm. uh, a rewatch into a watch for me, because I saw the first five seasons and never saw the last two seasons, so yeah. don't tweet any spoilers at us. Um, but we've been watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and enjoying it. So if a character from that show was going to live with us, which character would you pick to live with us from Deep Space Nine? Oh, my gosh. Wow. 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 Well, my so my initial like first choice, like not thinking about it, was Odo. Wow. Tell me why. <laughs> well, that's the one I didn't think about. I just Odo jumped into my head. But there has to be an but, emotional reason why Odo jumped to your mind. Well, I mean, I I like Odo. I think Odo would be very interesting to live with. Yeah. Um, but then as I but then I also was thinking like, ooh, but Cisco, ooh. Cisco would be an interesting person to live with. Yeah, those are they're both fun characters who I feel like would interact and you could have fun interactions, but you could also be like, all right, well, we all need our alone time now. Yeah, yeah, but you could have really good conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I, there. Yeah. Who would you choose? Yeah. I think Odo and Cisco. I, I can't <laughs> I can't disagree with that cuz some of the other characters are like, "Hey, you're uh, maybe Jadzia." That's that that's the other one that I would Because yeah. she is just uh she has such a sense of uh, joy about her. Yes. Yes. And I would like Quark to be our neighbor on the next floor. Oh, yeah. Quark is a visit sometimes 
kind of kind of guy, I think. Uh, my next question is: If you could transform into an animal right now, what animal would you want to be? Hmm. Mm. Well, it was just recently National Squirrel Day. Yes, it was. So I would like to be a squirrel. Wow. Where would you go? What would you do? I would climb up. I would. Are you kidding? I would run up a tree <laughs> and climb out onto a branch and look around a little bit and go gallivanting. <laughs> I want to read the storybook, Sarah, the Gallivanting Squirrel. Now. <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. And the final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Happiness is having... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Heavy size. That's happiness. Uh, happiness is having fewer weights on your shoulder. <laughs> we have two shoulders. <laughs> or your shoulder. I mean, you don't want you want to be balanced. You don't want a heavyweight on just one shoulder. I've been doing a lot of yoga. I'm trying very hard to stay balanced. So yeah. fewer weights... On one's shoulders. Yes. The truth is this was a heavy topic to take on late on Friday night after <laughs> an extremely long week. And I, I think you uh, you were a, a great podcast co-host. Thank you. Thank you for podcast co-hosting with me also. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. If we're going to just start Lame saying time. yeah at one another, maybe we should end <laughs> the podcast now. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Gosh, wow.